Hello, and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. Today is Thursday, May 10th, 2018, otherwise known as Clean Up Your Room Day. I'm Chris Alimony, <laughs> and with me as always are Mike Montgomery and Ben Ueda, two guys who need to clean their garage. What's up? That <laughs> How did is you know? correct, sir. I, I could just take a, a guess based off knowing you. Well, I just got back from the UK, and I will say the house seems a tad bit messier than when really? I left. So you're the one keeping things in order. Yeah, I'm not pointing any fingers or anything. <laughs> yeah, I think it actually was a lot cleaner than when you guys left. <laughs> I think we should go ahead and kick off the show right and start talking about some plywood challenge entries. Cool. Uh, because if you have not been scrolling through the hashtag Rockler Plywood Challenge feed on Instagram, you are missing out because people are building some really amazing things. Indeed. Who wants to take this off? Go for it, Ben. Yeah, there's some really incredible projects on there. Uh you know, I've just been overwhelmed by the the quantity of the quality is is yeah. incredibly impressive. Um, the one that the, there's two that I'm going to bring up. Uh, the first one is from Eric Didit, which we may have mentioned before, but now it's really taking shape. And it's this sort of media console with built-in speakers, and it is it is the hotness. Uh, real good <laughs> use of end grain, but not just using end grain. It also uh, uses plywood in this more typical sort of functional. Uh, capacities so it's one of those projects that's showing off the complete range of versatility from plywood the other one is from imagine it and make it these are both instagram handles uh and it's a plywood side table uh and it's just really really cool it's sort of two-toned it reminds me a little bit of like the the concrete side table that i did um in terms of its form and then it has like this little walnut uh shelf very quirky, kind of fun. It kind of looks like one of those like little retro old TV cabinets, and uh, yeah, both two really impressive projects that use that are using plywood in a lot of different ways. Totally, yeah, those looked really, really nice. And for those who don't already know, on the Modern Maker Podcast Instagram, we're doing a wrap up every week of the projects that are kind of standouts and what we think are cool. So make sure go to that post, and then that will link to everyone that we're talking about. So make sure and give those people some love. Follow them and uh, keep up with what they're building. So, Chris, yep, who are you shouting out? I'm going to shout out. I feel like it's mandatory. His Instagram handle is JG, and that's J-A-A-Y-J-E-E-E-E, three E's. Um, and the reason that I feel compelled is because he built a trapezoidal entertainment unit, which, you know, that's near and dear to my heart with the bad Larry. So it's really <laughs> cool. One sheet of plywood. He, in fact, he, he made a YouTube video. So go check him out. Check out the post. Check out the video because he goes over it in detail. He used very few. So he fit it all onto one sheet of plywood, obviously. And then he used a little piece of glass as a shelf. And I can't remember the exact specifics that he mentions, but it's like, you know, four dowels and four brad nails. Like he listed every single little thing that he used and it's, it's barely anything, but did a really good job on it. It has some cool doors that kind of like pivot around, not quite the center. I don't think, I think it's like slightly off center, but they pivot around to open. So yeah, really cool project and definitely go check that one out. What do you call that when someone's kind of paying homage to their inspiration? Copying. Just joking. No. <laughs> yep. It was definitely just a blatant ripoff. No, I'm kidding. I, it was really no, cool. No, you did a good job one. with yeah. it. So mine this week is from a guy. His Instagram handle is Jonathan. And then I'm going to say Pruk. It is P-R-U-C. So however you pronounce that, that is what it is. But he built a coffee table. Um, and I've never seen this before. This is what I love about the project where people are coming up with all of these little quirks and, and like left turns that make, you know, a relatively, you know, simple or straightforward project really unique. And so 
he built a coffee table. If it was on its own, it would look really cool. But what he did was make a groove for your kind of coffee table book or whatever magazine you would leave spread open on top of the table. Really cool project. He stained everything black on black on black, which is kind of a look that I'm starting to dig more and more lately. And he built everything out of a single sheet of Baltic birch plywood. Nothing else added. So that was really neat as well. Hashtag Rockler Plywood Challenge. If you're not building something yet, you still have time. It's not over until the end of the month. So build something cool, uh, be creative, and be a part of a cool community challenge. I thought you were going to say be a part of history, which I guess you'd be part of too. You know, that's really what it is. We're making history here, people. (laughs) One piece at a time. (laughs) That's hilarious. Chris, are you building anything this week? Are you back into the swing? I'm back into the swing, baby. I've been editing hard. On, man, th- so that record player video is going to be long. Like, I'm still not quite done editing it yet, but I think it's going to end up being like probably 18 to 20 minutes would be my guess at this point. It's like a, it's like a half hour sitcom with commercials. Yeah, you might as well just go for a full 22 minutes at this point. I know. Why stop, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm hoping that'll be out early next week. Um, did we ever talk about on the podcast how poorly both of my little planter videos did no let's make this they another, bombed man let's make this another chris uh therapy session episode i think i think people <laughs> don't want to see like small cute projects from me hmm. they're not feeling it really so which is fine yeah That's i fine. remember the cnc version kind of for like not just be rude but it kind of flopped the video flopped a little bit oh, but yeah it's that's just a fact. And then you made uh, a version with no CNC, all kind of like normal power tools, and that one didn't yeah. do well either? I think it might have done worse. I don't know. Oh, no. It probably did about the same on the first day, but both of them did poorly, I would I would say, relatively poorly. Which, I don't know, man. Like, I really, I, I actually genuinely like those projects. Like, I had a lot of fun designing them, and it was, I thought it was like a good design challenge, just in like a different way of thinking and everything, but... Yeah, I remember you were texting us and sending us pictures and you were like, this might be my favorite project in a while. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I even said in the CNC one that that's my favorite small project that I've done yeah. on the channel so far. But the people did not agree. The tribe has spoken. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. <laughs> well, that's not necessarily... I mean, it's, it's inter- I'm interested in how you take that data, right? Because... I still wouldn't necessarily conclude that you shouldn't do projects like that. Um, so what it means is that your current audience may not find that kind of project right. very interesting. So it might mean that those thumbnails to your current subscribers are not the most attractive. But it also might mean that uh, you know those projects uh, can bring in new audience for people that are different than your current audience, which is part of audience growth. Right. So whenever I do something new, a lot of the existing audience complains, but I'm doing it to try to bring in new people and add them to the existing audience. So again, I would look at, if you got unsubscribes, a lot of people unsubscribed from your channel because of those, which I highly doubt. I don't think so. Um, then I would consider not doing them again. But the other thing is it might just mean you can't shop those projects or promote those projects through the, name, the, the typical ways. You might have to start promoting them on different channels. So, for example, uh, you did it with Inventables. Have them start promoting the one that you used the CNC for, right? right? They're doing, a, I think, an upcoming promotion with, like, you know, uh, CNC projects that can be done quickly. Yeah. Uh, I think with, like, an hour or less of carve time. Mm-hmm. Um, so... 
it might mean that you need to to promote through sort of CNC channels or more kind of craft and uh, artsy, you know, arts and crafts kind of channels and websites and reach out to different, you know, blogs and stuff like that that might want to feature that content rather than the sort of typical Reddit woodworking thing, which I could totally see how that audience isn't interested in it. So what it's saying is that it's, we know it's a good project, right? You believe it's a good project. Me and Mike, when we both saw it, we both thought like, uh, no, that's it, it has a good aesthetic. It's achievable. So it is a good project. It just means that you've curated an audience that more wants to see you know, heroic performances of woodworking than they want to see projects that are quick and easy for them to do, which just means you got to add more people and, and let people know that you also do these kind of things and bring them in as well. Exactly. I mean, it's the same thing with the modern picnic table. Next time I put one out, my audience is ready. No, for that it. was just terrible. <laughs> nope, they're ready. It's for a good it. project. I don't care <laughs> they what just you weren't say. Ready for it, yeah, man. <laughs> no, I think that. <laughs> also, when it comes to choosing projects, I mean, at the end of the day, and I think we would all agree with this: is you're going to build the things you want to build. So if you you if you're excited about an idea. Like the day that I'm excited about an idea and I choose not to do it because I don't think people will like it is the day that this becomes purely a job and not enjoyable anymore. So I don't, I don't want to get to that point. Totally. And same thing with publishing a video. If you think the project is dope before you put the video out, but then because it doesn't get as many views as you want and you let that affect your, the way you view the project, I think that's just as bad too. You know, you can't let success be determined by how many people watch it because that's something you can't control you can only control like what you build and what it looks like right sweet ben what are you doing man i've been also editing quite a bit so so i just posted the the metal and oak table that i did um and very pleased with that it it was a fun project it went through (laughs) it's funny we went through a lot of different combinations of legs and tops so we started with a actual what's didn't make it into the YouTube video, a walnut live edge tabletop and the raw steel legs. But the walnut tabletop was just way too small. The legs oh, were yeah. all sort of you know, crowded together too much. So then we did a plywood version. And then we're like, ooh, this looks, it looks pretty good. Like I was almost comfortable just sort of going with that. It was affordable. It looked awesome. And I was like, you know what? I really like how how the sort of legs have these facets and all these aggressive angles. I want the whole thing to be black. So then we stained the the plywood top black and you know routed some more angles onto it. Full Darth Vader. Yeah, full Darth Vader stealth ninja table mode. And aesthetically, I thought it was actually the most unique kind of look of all the the sort of incarnations it had. But I want to use this table for the tiny house that we're we're building. So. Uh, I needed something that would be a little bit more white and oak. So I think the the finished version is the most finished and definitely the nicest tabletop version. Um, but uh, it was a fun video just because the sort of ninja version and then the finished version, the images tone-wise, even though the forms are similar, the tone-wise are just so different. And it was a great reminder of how you can take the same geometry into two totally different directions with sort of paint and stain and 
from a content standpoint, it's actually a great thing because now I can get two thumbnails that lead to the same video. So if I put those two thumbnails on Pinterest, I can get people that have totally different aesthetic interests and get the people that want sort of like a dark goth-like interior and people that want something sort of like fresh and feels like an Apple store. So it was kind of a, it, it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm really happy. I think it's the nicest uh, table that I've built. And, you know, I learned that, so the way I sort of constructed it uh, I made these sort of oak beams, and I was planning on using a biscuit joiner to join them together, but the way I sort of glued up the beams, there wasn't room for the biscuit joiner, so I switched to a slot cutting bit on the palm router, and that worked great, and uh, that's a great trick. I mean, a biscuit joiner is sort of like a one-trick tool. You know, I kind of really recommend using a, a palm router and a slot cutting bit because you can also use the palm router for a lot more. And I'll tell you what, I've been using that palm router so much since I've gotten it. Same with you, too. Yeah. It's so handy just not having to deal with a cord and be able to break it out really quick because, I mean, it's probably strong enough for like 90% of things, like anything other than maybe routing some super deep grooves or like surfacing a slab. But for the for the most every other application, it's, it's really handy and really light. Yeah, that, that palm router is, is the best new tool I've seen this year. It's, uh, it's compact. The battery life is outstanding. I flattened a whole slab of wood with it using a, a router jig before for one of the dwell videos. Mm-hmm. And batteries keep getting, keep getting better and better. And that was the other cool thing. Like my biscuit joiner has a cord, you know, the palm router is way smaller, can travel with you. Um, way more options i can i can actually change the thickness of the of the the slot cutting bits um and the slot cutting bit that i got from harbor freight was only like you know 19 bucks so palm router get one they're awesome palm router for the win i was gonna say if i could pay you the ultimate compliment on that dining table video is after i watched it i felt like excited i was like well i want to go work with some metal because it looked like such an easy technique that you used and it was like totally my style of, of leg, like very geometric and angled and everything. It got me pumped for metalworking. Oh, 100%. Chris, if you did some metalworking, dude, you would crush. Crush it. I think, the, I think what was interesting about the legs is, one, you can cut really straight lines with an angle grinder. It, it, it's a little bit is that just because you're working like in slow motion or something like no, it, like you're in bullet time or something or it's, what it's just the nature of the material and an abrasive blade right there's no teeth that are kind of jerking it all around and you can sort of do a groove first on your first pass and then the disc kind of follows that along right it also the nature of the metal cutting slower makes it sort of easier to be more accurate right. the revelations that i sort of had after that project are one I think when people assume about welding uh, metal together, they always think about welding the pieces in plane and then grinding everything flush. I think the first sort of design move that this did was saying you can almost have like layers of the metal the same way you would wood, right? Like the, the bracket part that attaches to the underside of the table is on a different level than the, the leg, right? So there's a harsh line. We didn't yeah. try to fill that in and then grind it all smooth. So I think that's the first thing is sort right. of saying – there, there actually can be sort of like an overlap, a lap joint with metal and it's welded on the backside. Yeah, it's sort of like the evolution of the plywood stacking idea, but right. then right. incorporating with that material and it's just like, it's super clean and going to be way stronger than any kind of wood joint. So yeah, it's killer. Right, so it, it gave it that extra facet, which made it kind of look like, you know, like a stealth fighter kind of, uh, of a thing. So yeah. that was the first thing. And then, uh, you know, 
I think the other thing that I was thinking after this is I kind of, you know, seeing how easy it is to cut straight lines with a, a you know, an angle grinder, which is again, super inexpensive tool. I kind of been thinking of getting just like a big sheet of like eighth inch steel and just start cutting out shapes and welding them together almost like the same way I would sort of plan out like a CNC project. Uh, so mm-hmm. it was, it was, it was a really fun, interesting project and it definitely, I mean, we see so many, you know, s- steel welded table legs, right. That are like tube steel, flat stock, or, you know, a lot of little rods sort of hairpin style. Um, you know, this one was was kind of fun. It was and it was also an interesting way to use uh, angle sections, which are normally kind of considered kind of ugly. Mike, what you've been working on? I have successfully found some vintage furniture that I can. Oh man, you're still on the quest? No, I'm not on the quest. I, I I'm, I'm done with the quest. I succeeded. It's over. Yeah, I felt like I was. <laughs> I going didn't know through, you were like, still on it. I felt like I was going through Skyrim or something. Like it was just like the longest <laughs> storyline ever. <laughs> But you had to level up before you could find the piece. Exactly, exactly. So, little backstory: uh, last week or the week before, Jesse and I ran around Joshua Tree one day to all of the vintage shops to try and find a vintage console table, a vintage dining table, something unique, anything at all. I just really want to do some kind of like thrift store challenge, essentially, of finding an old piece and then putting some kind of twist on it to make it cool and give it new life. Um, the problem mm-hmm. with Joshua Tree, though, is everything in these shops are kind of geared towards tourists mostly that are kind of coming into town or flying into town and kind of want a memento or a take home that they can have and, you know, put in their backpack. So there's not a re- really a lot yeah. of furniture. So after we did that one day, the next day we went down to Palm Springs and kind of did the same thing, different challenges, same result. That was because everything is either a 100% beautiful, perfect antique that I have no right cutting into and I feel like I would just get slammed in the comment section if I have this like beautiful antique that I'm just desecrating you by cutting worse. into it and, and ruining it. Um, so I didn't even want to mess with that. Not to mention, you know, a decent looking antique there is like a thousand bucks. So Palm Springs was also unfortunately a no go. But I went on Craigslist. Why did I not go on Craigslist sooner? Because oh yeah. You nut? <laughs> yeah, you, you crazy? yeah, I was a nut. Thanks, Chris. Um, <laughs> burn. <laughs> Sick burn. Uh, so yeah, I should have gone to Craigslist sooner. Um, there was a there was a few different potential projects. I don't want to tease them because I still might do them later on. But the the one thing I did buy was an off brand aim style lounge chair outdoor rocker. So if you're familiar with the Ames lounge chair, it's kind of a a bent laminated plywood frame with a bunch of metal joints and base. It's really great. It's literally mm-hmm. my dream project. I want to build something like that one day. But I'm still not good enough of a craftsman. But what I did find was a, it's a company called HomeRight. Um, they built an outdoor furniture version of this. So instead of being a solid plywood and metal frame, it's actually wire. So like it's all really thin mm. metal. And it's built out of round, like, just, like, uh, probably three-eighth inch, maybe quarter-inch steel rod. So it's got a really unique look. Right now it's black and it's it's kind of scratched up and has a little rust spot here and there. So even if it was in perfect condition, I would still want to paint it white just to get the look that I want. So the game plan is to, one, paint that frame flat white, get it looking nice and crisp. Then I'm going to bend some plywood to fit the frame. And then... 
cover that with a little bit of foam, and then wrap it in a vinyl leather. Nice. I'm really excited for it. I'm probably going to make some... I'm going to carve out some wooden armrests because right now it's just black plastic and it looks cheap. So I think I'm going to be, mm-hmm. able, be able to add a ton of value. It only costs me 75 bucks and about another 150 bucks in vinyl and foam and all of that kind of stuff. So it's going to be a fun project. It's going to be unique, but it'll hopefully be a good kind of like inspiration piece of just showing like, I just scrolled through Craigslist, found something cool and, and ran with it. So hopefully it performs well so that I can do it more often. It was kind of the same thing with the Ikea hack series that I posted not too long ago is yeah. I'd been wanting to do it for a long time, was halfway sure it was going to do well, but also nervous that it wouldn't. I was able to launch the first video. People liked it a lot. And then I was able to do one or two more. So hopefully this is the same thing where I can basically have a little series of videos where I can take some furniture that needs some TLC or some out-of-the-box vintage items and just give them new life. Breathe some new life into them. Exactly. And I've got, we talked about the TV lift cabinet idea. And yep. I'm just going to say, you know what? This is a podcast. Go for it. I can trust you people not to steal my idea. I'm taking um, it. Hang on, let me get my pen. Yeah, exactly. Let okay, me go. write this down. And the measurements were what? <laughs> is all of these vintage shops that I was going to, I was seeing all of these locker cubbies. So the kind that you would have in like an employee break room, the ones that are okay. all square fronted. So yeah. the ones in, stu- in schools are like the big rectangular shaped lockers. Yeah. These, are, these are the small kind of cubby ones. The ones that you would find at a public pool. Ooh. Usually these locker stacks are, you know, hypothetically four lockers wide and maybe eight lockers tall. Uh-huh. My idea is to rearrange the lockers so that it's two lockers high and maybe four lockers wide, maybe six, maybe eight. I need to see it in person mm-hmm. to get the proportion right. But use that as the case for a console table. Either do a wood frame or a quick welded frame and then cut a hole in the top, put a TV lift cabinet in it and make that a media console that has kind of two different looks you could go for, kind of similar to what you, we were talking about with you, Ben, is I can paint it all like real crisp, real white, maybe an accent color here or there. Or if I find a set of lockers that kind of have some patina to them, for lack of better terms, I can keep that raw industrial loft vibe and you know make it look just beefy and mean. Mike, I got some bad news for you. Oh, no. While you were describing that, I went and built it, and I'm uploading it to YouTube right now. <sighs> well, let me, know, let me know how the audience views it. <laughs> let me tell, I will. Let I'll me report know how back many next week. Did you at least shout me out? <laughs> yeah, I was like, and thanks to uh, good old Mark Montgomery Mark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for the idea. Wait, Mike, how was, uh, how was your UK trip? Oh, yeah. I forgot about this completely. I was gone for most of the week. That's why I wasn't able to get too much done build-wise. I ended up scheduling a plane ticket to go to Maker's Central uh, like two weeks before the show. I had a f- serious case of FOMO, and <laughs> <laughs> I hate saying that. That's a little worse. That's, hey. like, that's even worse than BOGO, like buy one, get one. <laughs> buy one, get one. Shouldn't it be BOGOF? Buy one, get one free? Well, it depends. Maybe you're getting buy one, get one half off. Ooh. A lot of people do that as well. So. That's BOGOHO. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you're quick with the acronyms. I like Thank that. Thank you. Yeah, so I went to the UK this weekend. It was a ton of fun for an event called Makers Central, which from my understanding uh, was the really first big makers convention, similar to what we all went to 
in Atlanta for WorkbenchCon a couple months ago. Um, I was there. Laura Kampf was there. Jimmy, Bob, all the who's who's. Except for. Uh, except for, you know, Ben and Chris. Present company. But it was, re- it, was, it was really great. I was able to meet some, some UK fans. Uh, rub shoulders with other influencers <laughs> and uh, all those things that make me sound really pretentious. <laughs> was it, it like I saw a lot of the videos people were sharing and it looked bigger. It looked like there were more people there than WorkbenchCon or was it that there was like only one talk going on at a time? So they kind of stru- structured everything a little bit differently. WorkbenchCon was kind of geared towards people in the community that were interested in also making content. So there was yeah. a lot of talks about you know, building audience, like yeah. our talk, Chris, was kind of about how to formulate a good style and make, you know, good, efficient content. Um, but most of this was really kind of geared towards the fans. So the price was lower, um, but more people showed up. Okay. Um, I think there was over the weekend, like 6,000 people that came. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really, really impressive. And that was in Birmingham, which is about two hours of a train ride outside of LA. Or I'm sorry, London. <laughs> You're way off, buddy. Anne of All Trades, Ashley Harwood, and some other people were doing like lathe demonstrations. Jesse and Bob Claggett, Peter Brown, and Jocko, whatever, were all on a panel doing a Q&A together. So they had a good mix of fan interaction and then opportunities for the people to show up and kind of learn from people that are good at things. So it was a lot of fun. The The overall vibe was great. Uh, I didn't do any sightseeing, though. It was basically hang out at the convention center until 6 and then go get dinner and uh, drink beer at the hotel lobby until bed. So next time I'm going to have to schedule a few days so that I can actually see what the UK is like. Yeah. But from what I heard, the event was a huge success. And Nick from NZ Woodworking, who put it all on, was really, really happy with kind of the turnout. So I think he's definitely planning on doing it again next year. So if you didn't make it, uh, wink, wink, Chris Ben, uh, make it next year because it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think we're going to be... I think we're going to be covered for sort of get-togethers because uh, I recently talked to the organizers for WorkbenchCon, and we're definitely doing another yeah, I saw one. That they said they're doing it. Yep, we're definitely doing another one this next year. So we're still in the process of working out the details and putting together the the list of speakers and stuff. Um, but the three of us will all be attending, and we'll be there. And uh, yeah, very excited. So there will be another uh, a second version of the WorkbenchCon, and it's going to be bigger and badder. Boom! So be there. Yeah, and better. Yeah. Bigger, better, better. Cool. So, you know, speaking of losers, <laughs> I had a, <laughs> I had another failure on my hands. I've been talking about a lot of those lately. Yeah, this is a, this so, is a real reoccurring theme. <laughs> <laughs> I'm becoming a loser. That was, my, that was my, uh, my goal going into 2018, and so far, so good. I just came up with a great title for this episode. What? Chris is a loser. No. Well, you know what? That's kind of mean. I was going to say... Chris's descent into loser dumb. Okay, <laughs> but spell it D U M B. Oh wow, loser dumb. But yeah, not bad. Not now bad. we're going. <laughs> okay, so now back to my latest failure is the uh, the furniture thing is officially over. Uh, the selling furniture thing. <laughs> yes, you can buy furniture at an extreme discount now. Oh, man, everything's discounted like fifty percent. So. I mean, I'm not too bummed about it. Honestly, I think I probably said it on here that I went into it with a skeptical optimism. optimism. Yeah, ca- yeah, that's what I said. Cautious optimism. I couldn't remember what I said, but I was optimistic, but it was like, eh, 
nothing's probably going to come from it and nothing came from it. If you do want to buy any of that furniture, there are still a few pieces left and they're like super discounted. I think they're like 50% of what the cost was before. So go check that out. You can just go to my website and there's a a shop link that'll take you to it. But basically from the company's point of view, it was actually kind of a success. So what ended up happening was something got brought their way because of the exposure on my channel. So it basically led to a big hotel job for them. Oh, wow. So anything, so what they invested into it, they got back. So from their perspective, it was fine. From my perspective, I mean, I didn't lose anything, but my time, I guess, in, you know, trying to do it, that's fine. Um, Definitely learned a few things from it. I would say the biggest takeaway and I don't totally blame myself for this because I did try to push on this. Maybe I could have pushed a little bit harder and it wasn't happening was I really felt like they needed a better website. Like their website was not good. The pictures were not good. In fact, the pictures that we put up were renderings that I had to get make get made by one of my friends, uh, Inkstrom Design. I talked about him last week. He does rendering in Blender. So he was nice enough to render a few images out for me that looked real. So a lot of people probably didn't know that they were fake. But um, I felt like if they could have made a better web experience, taken some good pictures, you know, do those obvious things, and then we could have... Pu- could have uh, publicized it a little bit more, you know, right. I, I would have been happier about it and more likely to talk about it in another YouTube video. We could have, you know, tried to buy some spots on, or, you know, do some advertising on Instagram or Facebook or something, just put a little bit of money into it. Cause I mean, honestly, I mean, the people listening to this podcast, the people who watch me on YouTube, those are people that are more interested in building furniture than buying furniture. Yeah. So I think it would have helped a lot to have put a little bit of money in just, you know, seeing where that could have gone. Yeah. Yeah. I could tell. So I guess the takeaway is like, that was the first time you had really kind of leaned on working with another company or another brand and letting them Mm -hmm. make decisions on at a pretty high capacity. Yeah, I mean, the the final decisions were in their hands. Like I said, so both of those, the website and putting money into other areas to try to advertise it, I recommended those things multiple times, but, you know, yeah, I, I can only, that's all I can do is recommend. Yeah, you know what I think would be pretty sweet is, have you heard of the company uh, Floyd? They do like the Floyd legs um, and they do a few other things, uh-huh. but it's like a flat pack furniture company. And I think that would be a really, I mean, isn't that how you got into kind of the whole furniture thing in the first place was designing a flat flat pack line? Flat pack. Yeah, flat pack. I had a few flat pack pieces that I would sell in addition to the custom pieces. And that was just because I wanted to have something affordable. Yeah. So like when I was doing it, I think, oh man, I can't even remember now, but they were around like 300 bucks for like a coffee table, something like Mm -hmm. that. So not cheap, but not, but definitely affordable for anybody who wants it. Yeah, doable for sure. Um, And yeah, if you could get a bigger company behind it and that was no mass production at all, you could definitely get the price lower. And I think that would be a, a good business model, especially for doing something online. Yeah. And then you could like do a living room set. You could have a coffee table, a night a nightstand end table, and then a, a, a media console table. And those three could all kind of go together. Mm-hmm. You could buy them individually or all as a pack. Yep. And then you could also kind of just the same way like Shapeways is printing to order, you could CNC to order the same way. Yeah. I think it's an interesting lesson in how 
tricky uh, fulfillment, manufacturing, and those things are, and how they're almost a completely different art form than what we do is. And I've seen talented designers in architecture uh, try to create prefab or modular home solutions and just seen them fail and fail and fail and fail. Uh, I've seen companies that... Uh, looked like they were off to a really good start. Uh, have you ever seen the company Gray Cork? They were trying to make this sort of like very shippable, modular kind of IKEA, but a little bit better. Sort of like you, so you could order a sofa the same way you could order a Casper mattress. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot harder to do fulfillment and keep prices down than people think. And you know, there's just so many option or options out there from. Uh, companies that just have so much more, you know, sort of leverage and manufacturing advantages. So, you know, getting into the sort of physical goods game is something that is, is is incredibly tricky. And unless you have disproportional brand value, like sort of like a Louis Vuitton or or something like that, where you can just put, you know, the the logo on it creates a, an air of of value, or you have some you know, protectable IP that keeps other people from copying you. And it's, it's a very limited thing. I always say proceed with caution into these things. Now, uh, you know, fortunately, you know, you sort of teamed up with people. So to sort of mitigate that risk for you personally, right. But making and selling stuff is, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult or, you know, being designing things to be manufactured and sold is a pretty tricky game. Yeah. I think also to just kind of like step back even further, when you look at these things, I don't know if this is a pessimistic thing to say, but the bulk of the time, you're probably going to kind of fail at, at new things that you're trying. So, I mean, just look at, so making videos, right? That's all of our bread and butter. That's our wheelhouse. Still, you're going to put out a few every year that fail. You're going to put out a handful that are going to do better than what you expected. And then your typical ones are going to do average. But like when you're stepping outside of the norm and you're trying things for the first time, there's a really high chance to fail. But I think the important thing is for this one in particular, you know, I came out unscathed. I really wasn't taking on that much risk. They were taking on the risk and I was just kind of along for the ride, I guess. Um, But, you know, if you have the opportunity to do those things and, and learn from them and come out unscathed, that's pretty valuable. Yeah. Just take, take every failure as a learning experience. I got so many learning experiences this year. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, guys, do you have any yes. obsessions this week? I can't choose Pop-Tarts again, can I? I mean, only if it's a different flavor of Pop-Tart. <laughs> yeah, what if every week I was just like, brown sugar Pop-Tarts. Wild berry Pop-Tarts. And then after that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. I'm out of Pop-Tarts. Are wild berry Pop-Tarts popular because they're using wild berries or that the berries themselves are wild? <laughs> I've actually never seen wild berry Pop-Tarts. No. Are you sure that's a thing? Trust me. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. But the ones that are like, it, it's no natural berry color. It's like a purple frosting and like some kind of fluorescent icing. Oh, you know what? I have seen those ones. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the furthest thing from any kind of natural, like, berry whatsoever. They should put all natural on the box just to mess with people. (laughs) Probably. Okay, I thought of one. Yes. TV, I got a TV pick. Actually, I still need to watch the bulk of it. I've only watched one episode so far, but I know it's going to be good. So one of my favorite shows, I'd say my second favorite comedy of all time probably, is Arrested Development. Have you guys watched that? 
I have, yeah. That's the worst yes. okay. Netflix reboot I've ever seen. I was just seen. having a glass well, of hot ham that's water. What so the Netflix season four that came out, I don't know, two years ago or whatever, I didn't even finish it. Like, I think I watched four episodes and I was just yeah, like, it was, trash. it was so bad. But they remixed it. And I watched the first episode and it was really funny. So they just like had a bad edit on it or something? Well, because what they did with, I'm trying to remember exactly, but when they put it out at first, I think it was because of the way that they had to film it where they couldn't get everybody together because of other obligations, movies, all that stuff. So they kind of did it like character by character rather than having it be like the story in chronological order or whatever. Mm. So they re-edited it and they added in new things and they told the story rather than going character by character. They went more like as a narrative of the story. And so, I've, I, like I said, I've only watched the first episode, but I had several laugh out loud moments on it. LOL. Um, but yeah, it was <laughs> it was good. Like I'm hopeful for the rest of them. And I, I'm pretty, I think they're about to come out with the fifth season of it. So hopefully that's a good sign that it's going to be good again. Because, man, those first three seasons are, it's such a good show. It is. Yeah. I, I, it's interesting, though. Like, I feel like, I don't know. I, I feel like that show is going to just be done. Like, I think it's hard to pick up that pace and bring you back into yeah, it. Yeah, I could see that. Also, I, th- I don't know. I, I think that's a show that had, like, a rhythm and a momentum. And also, like, it hit all those kind of actors all at the right time. Yeah. Uh, like, I feel like Jason Bateman has, like, better things to do now. Like, besides, like, Ozark is like pretty awesome too and i don't want to get in the way of the next season of that but yeah no that was that was pretty outstanding my obsession is an instagram account uh, that i've been following for some time called concrete pig so just go to an instagram just search concrete pig uh they don't have a huge following but they're super talented their work is i think consistently innovative and they use a lot of familiar materials like steel wood and concrete but they sort of mix them around in unusual ways and i'm always getting really really good uh revelations whenever i sort of look at them so be sure to check them out and uh drop them a comment and let them know that that we sent you because uh i think all three of us are pretty big fans of of their work and in particular the the i was talking to mike about it the other day there's a, a sort of a media cabinet that they've done and it's just there's just so many good decisions in this cabinet. Yeah. So they did kind of almost the the half river table concrete and wood panels for the door, right? So they took a live edge and then they sort of panelized it with uh, either concrete or a black resin and made these sliding doors with it. Now the cabinet frame itself they did out of plate steel. And it's a really smart decision because it makes the edge of the cabinets thin and kind of disappear which really emphasizes the doors and it's the that kind of thinking is what i really sort of appreciate them is sort of selecting materials uh strategically so it emphasizes the points of the design that need to be emphasized the most so check out concrete pig and uh tell them we sent you yeah that's a really great account and uh really unique we were talking about it about their backdrop drop that they use is instead of any kind of white wall or painted wall they actually use plywood sheets as their backdrop walls and it gives like a really cool um it's still like a really modern vibe but it leans away from industrial i think but it's still just it's just really cool so well it's kind of like flipping sorry it's kind of like flipping it on its head where like you see a lot of modern furniture in like a stark concrete background. Right, exactly. And that's really what they did with the console that Ben's talking about is 
the geometry of it isn't insane, but the way they're able to switch up the materials, it gives that case such a thin profile and, and, and everything they're doing is just like, it's not insane, crazy uh, techniques, but it's just the idea of using materials in unique ways and just switching things up enough to make it completely fresh. Mm-hmm. My obsession, though, and I am only going to shout out one creator that I met this week at Maker Central, um, even though there was a few really, really great creators that I hadn't met yet and hadn't hadn't seen their work. But I'm going to shout out Crafts with Ellen. Um, she is mm-hmm. she's obviously a girl. I don't know any dudes named Ellen, um, but she is uh, got a relatively young channel. I think it's just around a year old. Um, And she does a lot more craft projects than any kind of woodworking. So she's got a lot of sewing tutorials, a lot of smaller projects, um, a Nintendo Switch case, Chris, that you might be interested in. Mm -hmm. I'm listening. I'm listening. From what I understand is she gets a little bit of hate from the maker community because she's not doing as many big like woodworking projects. But I think she's got some really awesome stuff. And I've been trying to learn and absorb as much as I can with this vintage chair revival that I'm doing. So it's been an amazing resource for me. She's doing really great looking content. And uh, I think she's got like a a really good kind of breadth of, of stuff that she's done already. So go check that out. Links to everything we're talking about are in the description, and those are clickable now, like I already said, so go check those out. So thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're not already, follow us on Instagram. We are at Modern Builds. That's me. At Four Eyes Furniture. That's me. And at Benjamin Ueda. That's me. That's some guy named Ellen. <laughs> the, the only guy named Ellen. <laughs> yeah. So make sure, follow us there. We are collectively at Modern Maker Podcast on Instagram too. And that's where all of those Rockler Plywood challenges are being wrapped up at. So make sure, check that out. Make sure that you're following along with the hashtag and build something cool, guys. There's still a whole month to build things. So bring us your best idea. Mm -hmm. And until next time, this has been the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everybody. Later. Bye.